0: Hi everyone, this is Cameron Potts, VP of Corporate Communications at Deluxe, and we're here for another episode of Solutions Exchange by Deluxe.
1: Don't let the virus take the jersey off your back. Be smart, this is your job. You're at the hotel, you're at the ballpark. Your job is to stay healthy and play good baseball, and I think the guys are doing what they need to do to stay on the field and play
0: well. Well, hello everybody. This is Cam Potts, VP of Corporate Communications at Deluxe, and we're doing another one of our Solutions Exchange podcasts. Um, we're really excited. Uh, we're going to shift gears a little bit today and um, uh, do a, a topic that uh, we haven't uh, discussed before. Uh, today, we're you know really thankful to have uh, Andrew Collier with us. Andrew is the GM of the Winnipeg Goldeyes baseball team. Uh, for folks down in the the states, the Goldeyes play in the same uh, the American Association League with the St. Saint Paul Saints, um, and this is a, a position Andrew's held for the last 19 years. Um, and in full disclosure, Andrew is my cousin. Uh, we uh, we you know share a lot of family together, and uh, um, he's been kind enough to give us a few minutes. So, Andrew, thanks for uh, being on the call.
1: Hey, happy to be here. Good to talk to you.
0: Right. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, you know this is a different business than you know we've shared with folks we've been talking them to a lot of small business owners but you know we don't talk to a lot of a lot of folks who run baseball teams so let's let's talk about like what your what your job looks like when you're you know you're the GM of a minor league baseball team.
1: Well, in a, a normal year, which we all know this isn't. Um, The GM of an independent baseball team is a little bit different than what people normally think of a GM of a professional sports team. Um, I'm more of a business manager, so I'm more concerned with uh, the business operations, ticket sales, corporate sales, um, game day operations, theme nights, things like that our field manager is in charge of putting the team together. He decides who we sign, who we trade, who we release. Um, I basically, he he lets me know who we're signing and I will uh, get them signed. I look after the salary cap, look after travel, look after immigration, uh, things like that. So it's a little bit different than, than what people think of a GM of a professional sports team. But there are some similarities.
0: So, talk a little bit then about you know your your day job is like you're 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 handling all the kind of minutia. So, in, in a regular time when uh, people are coming to the ballpark, uh, and we'll get into a little bit about what the season looks like right now, but um, you're you're handling you know like sponsors and um, you know ticket sales and uh you know the game day experience as you said so like there's a ton of little things that a gm of an independent team has to 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 take on how how do you you know how do you kind of compartmentalize all those things
1: well my my season's kind of split into two between october we usually get our schedule between mid-october late october and that's generally when we get started full speed ahead on the next season. So between October and late March, I'll be concentrated on ticket sales, corporate sales. Um, I personally do a lot of corporate sales for the team. When you work for a minor league sports team, people take on a lot of wear a lot of hats and do a lot of different things. So corporate sales is a large part of what I do in the off season. Um, we have ticket sales. People that are looking after our season ticket mini pack group sales. Um, but yeah. And then once we start to hit March, April, then I kind of switch to season mode. We've got probably 28 players coming to town. I need to make sure they have somewhere to live. need to look after the immigration because the majority of our players are American players or from Latin America. So I need to make sure they're, all getting into the country, and during the season, it's basically making sure our game day staff and our game day supervisors are on top of things. And yeah, so it's 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 kind of split in a, two different areas, um, and uh, it's quite a unique position.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, you know, talk a little bit about how the American Association is playing this year, because your the team the team is playing games and uh, they're doing very well this this point of the season. But you're you're not playing up in Canada, um, and you're sort of in um, you know different communities as bubble teams. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, and this is somewhat breaking news That St. Paul is going to be allowed to play home games as of August 4th but uh, when we first started this we're in a 12-team league. Uh, Six teams decided not to play this season for for various reasons. Uh, Six teams wanted to play so we started out with three hub cities uh, Fargo, Sioux Falls and Milwaukee. And the, the other three teams, St. Paul, Chicago, and uh, Winnipeg. Winnipeg playing out of Fargo, St. Paul playing out of Sioux Falls, Chicago playing out of Milwaukee. Just before the season started, Chicago was allowed to play home games with limited attendees. Um, and now St. Paul is allowed to play. Minnesota government has provided the go-ahead that they play in front of a limited crowd. So initially it was three hub cities. Now uh, of the six teams, Winnipeg is the only team not to play at home. And that has as much to do with our local government um, letting us know that that we can't play in front of fans and the international border between U.S. and Canada uh, still being closed to – international travelers. So we're the only team of the six right now that are a true road team.
0: Yeah. So like if, if you were allowed to play up in Canada or at least cross the border, all the players would have to quarantine for 14 days before you played a game. So it's, it's not really going to work.
1: No, it's, it's not going to work. And at this point, I think everybody in Manitoba is, is okay with uh, the border still being closed, uh, for the next period of time.
0: Sure. So, um, you know, you and I talked, uh, a few months ago and how hard was it to kind of come up with this scheme where six teams could, could continue to play because, you know, it's important to your fans, even though they're not there to be able to watch the game to, you know, want to follow the team and have some, you know, something to to look forward to uh, and and to watch it. So was it hard to come up with the, the plan?
1: Well, it was, it was up to the ownership group and the, the league to come up with various scenarios Um, Can we have a a season as planned? Can we have a reduced season? How many teams want to play? How many teams can play based on state regulations? So it was a very unique situation. As of June 12th, I think I was pretty much resigned to the fact that we weren't going to have a season of any kind. And then I think it was later on that night that, our owner, Sam Cates, called me and said, so we're gonna play a 60-game schedule and we're gonna be based out of Fargo. So we need need to get everything ready in 10 days to go down there. So after thinking for all this time that we're not gonna be playing and I had put everything on hold regarding team gear, whether it be uniforms, pants, uh, hats, everything that a team would need for, for a schedule I had put on hold. So I had 10 days to get everything ready, loaded in a trailer and our radio guy who is, who's an American citizen. uh, He drove down to Fargo with all our gear and, and all the players arrived 10 days later in Fargo.
0: Wow. (laughs) So, you know, kind of like a real fire drill in order to make it work after not thinking it was actually going to work.
1: It really was. I was I was kind of getting used to going in the office probably once a week just to check the mail and and do the things we needed to do. I was I was looking after social media for a period of time, um, just because of the situation with with COVID and a number of our staff having to be laid off or go on uh, the Canadian emergency um, the CERB. Um, so I was looking after a bunch of things that I I normally wouldn't have to just, just because, and kind of living a a summer or a spring that I wasn't used to, I was used to being at the park every day, uh, for most of the summer for the last 26 years and kind of in that routine. And then all of a sudden it was basically, okay, we're going to have a season in 10 days and we need to be ready for that.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, it, it, it's a story we hear a lot, you know, like obviously when, when the pandemic hit and everything started shutting down business owners and, you know, managers and, and CEOs all had to make these big decisions on, you know, how are we going to continue to, to keep things going? Um, so to that, that part about social media, how, how have you been communicating with your fans, both leading up to, you know, not, not knowing if the season was going to, to happen. And then, you know, now are you, are you um, sharing resources, say, with like some of the other teams to get pictures, to get, um, you know, uh, like in, input on it, on how to keep uh, the fans engaged?
1: Yeah. So to the, the last part of your question, we've, we haven't hired a photographer from Fargo, but uh, she's taking pictures for us and all it asked us is to leave her word mark on the photo. So we have somebody that's doing our social media now, basically giving updates on how the team's doing and uh, posting press releases. But that period of time between March 16th, where everything shut down and June twelfth, when it was announced we were going to have a season, it was kind of week to week. Like nobody had a playbook for this. No matter what industry you're in, nobody knew if this was going to last a week, a month, a year. So while I was doing the social media, I was just trying to post things to to keep us somewhat relevant and and in the public eye. Whether it was posting our championship game from 2017. So people could watch some baseball and, and see gold Eyes baseball and, and continue to think about us or post pictures of the way our groundskeeper cut the grass. Do you like the circular pattern? Do you like the stripes pattern? Things like that. We were just trying to come up with anything to post on social media to keep us, keep us relevant and keep us in the public eye because When you're not playing baseball in a city of the NHL Jets and the Bombers, we're we're not exactly top of mind when it comes to media. So we did our best to communicate through social media, through e-news, through email to our ticket holders, just to let them know what's going on. Even if it was to say, we don't know what's going on and we will keep you updated check Twitter every day, check our website. We'll do our best to keep you up to date.
0: Yeah. And and that's super important during this because, you know, while you were leading up to a season, you know, as you mentioned that like the NHL and the jets, you know, things shut down and people didn't know what was happening there. So there was a real void, uh, you know, in sports across the board. And, you know, unlike in places like St. Paul or Chicago, where, you know, independent baseball or minor league might be kind of an afterthought. Like you're, you're, you are news throughout the summer in Winnipeg because the team has been good and people follow it and and they want you to, you know, they they want to follow a winning team.
1: Well, that's the plan going into each season is uh, to be a winning team. And I know Rick, uh, our manager has done a great job putting together a good team. I don't think we've, We'd have the following that we do if if we just had a, a nice ballpark and, and played in a great city. I think you need to put up the wins to stay relevant in this market. Um, winning winning three times over the last eight years has certainly helped keep us – I think it's forced us to, into the public eye. So even though the, the media sometimes tends to forget about us because of the two major teams in the city, I think – by winning as much as we have, we've, we've kind of forced them to take notice.
0: Right. Right. So, so tell me a little bit, I mean, I've been following online the team seems to be doing uh, really well. Um, You know, how, how are they playing this year?
1: Uh, They're playing great considering they're living in a hotel for 42 of the days, 42 of the 60 games are in Fargo. So they're living in a hotel in, in Fargo and then we take some road trips to Sioux Falls, Chicago and Milwaukee. The fact that these guys have all kind of banded together and and they're like one big family down there knowing that they need to be smart and and I think I'm not sure if it was the commissioner if it was Rick came up with the line that don't let the virus take the jersey off your back. So be smart. Don't go out to bars. Don't hang out. Just, this is your job. You, you, you're at the hotel, you're at the ballpark. Your job is to stay healthy and play good baseball. And, and right now we're 16 and nine and in first place. And I think the guys are doing what they need to do to stay on the field and play well.
0: Yeah. And and like you said, you know, you've got employees who do all sorts of different things, but, But the players are like, this is a job for them too. And, you know, a lot of these guys aren't going to make it to the major leagues, but they have, you know, careers that they love. They love to play the game and after independent ball, they might go down and play in, in, you know, the Latin American leagues. Um, So it's great that, that, that there was a solution here um, in order to get these guys on the field.
1: Yeah, for sure. So When it was announced that we were going to play, the the league made the decision that the six teams were able to do a dispersal draft of the six teams that weren't. So we went through and each team got to pick certain players, which has turned out great. These guys that thought they were going to be sitting at home all summer doing nothing and not being able to show major league organizations what they can do, all of a sudden – there was a chance for them to play. So I think it's been great for them for the opportunity to be able to play. A lot of these guys have very short careers and very, very little chance to show what they can do. A lot of these guys have been looked over by major league organizations or they've played in the major leagues and and now they're playing here. Um, So to be able to play this summer is, is huge for some of these guys and especially guys that have played in the major leagues before, Major leagues are going through a lot of troubles right now with a lot of COVID-19 cases. So guys that have played in the major leagues before, who knows? There may be some teams looking at our league saying, okay, who's playing well right now? We need some fill-in help. Who can help us out? So to have this, this ability to showcase their talent, I think it's been huge for everybody.
0: Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean it, it, it's 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 great to see competition of any sort like this. Um, so it, it, with the six teams that are playing, it, it took ownership and and your owner um, with your team to step up and say, you know what, we're going to go forward with this, um, even though like a lot of your business model is making sure that you have people coming to the ballpark. You know, I think it's a testament to the owners to be able to say we're we're moving forward. Are, are you? You know, are you already trying to manage for what it's going to look like next year so that, um, you know, the the team stays, you know, solvent and relevant? Yeah, that's,
1: that's a really good question. I think that's a question for everybody right now. What's it going to look like next May? What's it going to look like next August? What's it going to look like in January? Nobody really knows at this point. So even when we hit October and we get a schedule for next year and everybody hopes that, things will be back to somewhat normal. When we come back to the ballpark next May, are we going to be at a reduced capacity? Are we going to still be social distancing? Are we going to be able to have 1,500 people, 2,000 people, 6,000 people? These are so many questions that are going to be answered in the upcoming months. And I don't think anybody really knows where this is going. I think... Even in Manitoba, where things were going great for a while, and then in the last two weeks, we've had another 50 cases. They're all clustered, but still, we're at zero cases for a while. And then all of a sudden, uh, a new influx of cases came. So it's kind of day-to-day, week-to-week, and and we'll just have to wait and see how it goes.
0: So how are you using the ballpark now? Because I've seen online that you're, you're letting – you know um amateur teams and stuff play there is is that you know are you just doing that uh the goodwill of the community so that folks or for so that teams can have a chance of playing in such a beautiful park
1: yeah what's really ironic this year is our field has never looked better like in any of the 20 years we've been at Shaw Park the field is in immaculate shape part of that comes because we redid the infield grass at the end of last season but the biggest thing is nobody has played on it so when we found out that we weren't going to be playing at home for the foreseeable future at least until the end of August uh, we made the decision to reach out to Baseball in Manitoba and come up with a very reasonable rental rate for teams to come and play at the ballpark and it's just been unbelievable the response we've had from 15 new teams 18 new teams senior teams even rally cap teams little kids are going to come out and use the field and i think uh starting july 19th was our first game we've had four or five games since and just about every day in august is booked now with with baseball Manitoba teams they are going to be able to come out and and play on our field. and They're just so thrilled to be out there. It's just the coolest thing ever for them. Plus, we have corporate events. We just had a, a, a local business come out and use the field Thursday night for a staff event. So to be able to do things like that, in a normal year, we'd obviously have 50 home games, so the availability would be A lot less whereas this year every day is open so we're trying to we're trying to get as many people out on the field and experience what it's like to play at Shaw Park as possible.
0: Yeah that's super cool and I've loved hearing about that. Um, So Andrew as we as we kind of wrap up uh, I usually ask people what they've done to support small businesses during this time but I know you um, had had your own unique experience while you were waiting for the season to to, to start, you, you were actually helping some of your you know, local uh, your local small businesses by doing some deliveries. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: <laughs> yeah, so in 2018, we established a new patio deck called Craft Beer Corner. Um, up until then, we had only had Labatt and Fort Gary beer in the ballpark. Um, when we built this new deck, we wanted to welcome the craft beer industry, which is booming in Manitoba, just like it is in Minnesota and, and across North America. Uh, but we invited five craft brewers into the ballpark in 2018. We expanded that to 10 different craft brewers in Manitoba, to serve beer at the ballpark. So I got to be friends with a lot of these guys. Um, as you know, you and I share a love for, uh, and and uh, my brother and, and your cousin, uh we love beers so i've i've made friends with a lot of the crap brewers in winnipeg when it was established that we had to work from home and and the ballpark was shut down we didn't know if we were going to have a season i sent an email to all of them and said hey the only way you guys are going to survive is through takeout and delivery if you ever need a if you ever have a need for a delivery driver i've got a car I don't want anything. I just want to help you out. Let me know if you need help delivering beer. And there was three or four that reached out and said, Hey, yeah, we could use your help. Um, There was a couple that I delivered more for than others. And, and it was just, it was a lot of fun because a, you're delivering beer. So people are happy to see you. And, and during March and April, when everybody was working from home, you knew there'd be, they'd be home so you're delivering beer and he knew they'd be home. So it was, it was a pretty easy gig. Um, plus a, a company called TransCanada Brewery. Uh, what they did to keep their staff employed was to donate about 200 pizzas a day to local shelters. So for four days a week, I would deliver pizzas to shelters for them just to help out and it was it was good for them it was good for me it kept me sane it kept me busy and and it was just nice to help out
0: yeah that's i i love that story and it's great and and you're right you know we do we do love uh we do love beer it doesn't matter if it's or you know kokanee you know we're we're getting all canadian most of my listeners won't know all these things but that's okay (laughs) Um, so well Andrew, thanks for uh, taking the time to, to chat with us today uh, it's great to know that the team is doing well and that uh, you know they're back playing again so i uh, really appreciate talking to you
1: great talking to you cam anytime
0: so this has been another one of our solutions exchange podcasts you can find them on iHeartMedia, media uh, on um, on spotify or on soundcloud so please listen for the next time we have another uh, episode